Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, hello everyone, and you join us today with a little bit of a question. We are wondering what the most complicated watch ever made is, and so to answer that question, Tom and I scurried off, had a little look around, and found some of the most complicated watches that have ever been made. Um, and we made some pretty interesting um, and amusing discoveries along the way. Um, to start off, let's just get started. Tom, what have you found? Okay, what's small, silver, and unfolds infinity in four chapters? The Nissan Micra? No, I don't know why it would be that. <laughs> the uh, Gégé Lecoult Reverso Hybris Mechanica Calibre 185 from last year. Well, I think we did um, Gégé Lecoult a little bit of a disservice, actually, because when we did our uh, roundup of the best watches of 2021, I completely forgot about this. And... It's an unforgettable watch, so I hold myself entirely to blame. Uh, yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing piece. Um, so this is JLC's most complicated reverso ever, and it's the world's first watch with four functioning faces, uh, four dials, um, with 11 complications. So the reverso usually has one face and one protective side of the case that you can flip around. Or sometimes you can have like a day and night kind of vibe going on if you're Batman. <laughs> but this one has a different dial for each side. And then on, on the actual seating, like the strap of the uh, reverso is, is, is another two faces. And each face is crazier than the last. Well, this, this kind of reminds me a little bit. I don't know if you've ever done this. You're writing a note to yourself on a post-it note and you, and you think, oh yeah, I've got plenty of room. And, and you write nice big letters, plenty of space so you can read it later. And you realise very quickly that you've run out of space and you have to start getting creative with that space. I feel like that's what uh, Gégé Lecoult has done here because typically, like you say, they would have a dial on the front and you can see the movement through the back or sometimes they might have a dial on the front and a dial on the back. Here they've, they've really used every ounce of space uh, in a way that almost seems impossible. Yeah. But I think you're doing JLC a disservice again. How dare you? <laughs> because your post-it analogy falls down because it's, I feel like it's really readable. It's really clean. It's bursting with functions and movements and complications. And But it's all, I feel it's all quite sort of neatly laid out. It, they haven't started to get smaller as they've got closer to the edge of the dial. It's, <laughs> it's all very nicely laid out. I mean, whether or not you can read it, it looks very complicated. It looks like you could navigate a spaceship with it or something. It's um, all the dials look very esoteric. Yeah, you're right. It, it doesn't go... Time, perpetual calendar, minute repeater, indications of the Sidonian, Dragonian. It's, it's, it's all very nicely presented and it, it really represents JLC as 
as much a watchmaker but an engineer as well because if you think about the heritage of jlc it's very much comes from an engineering background and applying good quality knowledge of engineering to what was uh, poor quality Swiss watchmaking at the time to effectively invent what we see today in high quality Swiss watchmaking. So once again, this is real, well, you can almost say it's literally outside of the box of the watch case thinking. So you go, oh, hang on, why don't we use the rest of it as well? Yeah, it's, it's like a greatest hits of uh, JLC's complications and, and all, all their passion and precision and, and expertise all kind of rolled into one. Well, it's certainly unexpected. Yeah, let's get into some of the things that it does. So you've got uh, 11 complications. You've got the most advanced lunar phase mechanism in a watch. You've got a uh, perpetual calendar, which is a new patented mechanism for a perpetual calendar because they've had to sort of fit it around a tourbillon, which is also crammed in there. You've got three lunar displays, synodic, draconic and anomalistic and it can also provide readings of the cosmos like predicted incidences of supermoons and eclipses can it tell me what mood i'm in though yeah um kind of so what happens is um it's got a global hyperware strap that changes color when you get hot or cold do you know what i mean um so it's not really accurate it just can only tell when you're hot or cold really and then it sort of gets more orange um, but that's about it. I, I like I like as well with the design of this thing. I mean, I think there are 10, only 10 made. Um, that not only is it not ridiculously massive, uh, 51 by 31 millimetres, 15 millimetres thick. I mean, that, that's, this is almost normal sized watch. Yes, yeah, it's so, yeah, crazy, isn't it? You've got all this stuff, like 11 complications, Torbion perpetual calendar, minute repeaters, these moon phase complications, all crammed into a nice user-friendly polo watch. <laughs> so mid, mid polo, if you want to know what the apogee of the lunar cycle is. Yeah, when the next eclipse is. Hang on a minute. Wait, can we play now? Because we're going to be playing for an hour and I want to know if there's going to be a lunar eclipse in the next hour that's going to ruin the game. Yeah. Amazing. What what fascinates me with this kind of watch is, like, let's be honest, it's useless. But then again, so is driving on the road at 300 miles an hour. The, all of these things that we do, they don't really have any express goal except to demonstrate what can be done. And I love that. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter that if you do want to know the draconian lunar cycle is, you have to take the watch off to look at the back. It doesn't really matter. The fact that they have made the two inside and outsides, and, and for people who don't, who aren't familiar with the Reverso, we're talking about a very thin piece of metal that houses two of the four dials this watch has. The fact that they could even think of it and then execute it just blows my mind. It, you say it's useless. I think it's only useless in this universe. I think somewhere there's a guy building an airship and... He's, his his house looks like this watch. <laughs> and he lifts his goggles up to read it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just think it's fascinating. It is like something from another world. It's like, I, I don't know, I loathe to say steampunk or something, but it just definitely feels like uh, a tiny machine from um, a different a different universe. And it could. This, this touches upon what you were saying about the clarity of the watch. Not only is it is it easy to read and well laid out, but traditional watchmaking is all about let's put another subdial on, let's put another subdial on, and I'm sure we'll probably see that in this list of high complication watches. Even the way that JLC lays out the complications and how they fit them in 
feels like something that's not been done before. Like open up the, the case and look at the inner case, the third dial, and the way that the year is presented as part of that plaque. Yeah. It feels in itself like a very unique complication display that would be fantastic by itself on a watch. Yeah, it's beautiful. I think it would take me about a million years to fully appreciate looking at every facet of this watch. Um, it's a million years I don't have. I don't have the watch either, so that doesn't help. But I'd sure like I'd sure like to have one. I'd sure like to take the time to properly explore it. Yeah, because it's beautiful as well. It's not only got all this functionality, but it's it's actually an amazing work of art. You know, you've got all of JLC's expertise in, when it comes to um, enameling and finishing in there, and um, it is uh, it's 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 really something. <laughs> and it annoys me when people talk about Patek Philippe and AP and Vacheron as great as they are why is this not part of that yeah 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 it should be yeah that definitely needs reassessing doesn't it that whole thing I mean let's see because um, I'm going to present a watch to you that may change <laughs> change both our minds on that this is the Vacheron Constantin Le Cabinotier Celestia Astronomical Grand Complication 3600 Cabinotier now, as I understand it, that just means just slang for just straight out of the cabinet, isn't it? Like just off the rail kind of, Yeah, yeah. this is an off the shelf thing. There's nothing bespoke about this at all. This is an ill-fitting t-shirt made in China. Yeah, just straight off the cabinet, you know, I'll have that one. The Cabinotier collection from Vacheron Constantin is all about pieces uh, a bit like that JLC, where they go, we're not making this to make volume, we're making this to prove a point. Yeah. So how many complications did your JLC have? Eleven. Eleven. I'll I'll raise you twelve. Yeah. For a total of twenty-three. Okay. Um, all right. Is that what we're doing then? We're doing amount of complications. How many years in development hell did yours one spend in? Because the JLC took six. Six years. I don't know if it was hell, but it was it took six years to devise it. So. Well, I'll tell you what. That took six years. This only took five. So you might see that as a lower top Trump's figure, but I'd say that they worked harder and they worked smarter to get that done. Yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, good. yeah, <laughs> efficient. Complications per year as a measure. <laughs> this wins. Yeah, okay, let's go by that. <laughs> but uh, this one was more complicated, so it took longer. So swings and roundabouts, isn't it? So 23 complications. We've got the hours, haven't you? You've got the minutes, you've got perpetual calendar, day-night indication, precision moon phase, age of the moon, running equation of time, sunrise and sunset time, day and night length, season solstices, equinoxes and zodiacal signs, tide level indicator, sun-earth-moon conjunction, opposition and quadrature, transparent sky chart of the northern hemisphere with indication of the Milky Way, of the ecliptic and celestial equator, hours and minutes of sidereal time, tourbillon, three weeks of power reserve from six barrels, and a power reserve indicator. Nice. Is it compact and user-friendly like the JLC? Uh, 45 millimetres in diameter. Oh, that's quite large. 13.6 millimetres thick, so that's that's thinner, but it is, uh, it's, it's definitely Panerai realm of wearability. So I would say if you were going to go out and play some sports, perhaps uh, leave this one at home. But if you're going to go and take the boat out for a spot of fishing, you've got your tide level indicator. Wow, yeah, that's actually good. But hang on, wouldn't that need to be localised? Sorry, what? Uh, your tide level indica uh, indicator, wouldn't that need to be a localised thing? 
Um, Did I say it does sidereal as well? There was there was so much six barrels, Tom. Six barrels. So much there that I didn't even understand half the words you were saying. Um, more barrels than a pub. More barrels than a pirate's shed. <laughs> come back to that. I'll come back to that. I can't answer your question about the tide level indicator. I assume that they have the common fisherman's heart in mind. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking of all the things that you happen on a cycle that can be measured in a watch. Um, tide is one of those things, isn't it? When you get to the when you get to the seaside on that one nice day and you check the board and you go, oh, cool, it's going to be out for a couple of hours. Let's go and sit over there. Um, you could have a watch with that, but obviously that's only going to work. You know, you'd, you'd need the Dimchurch edition, wouldn't you? Or, you know, wherever, or Camber. Like, what, what, what's the, t- the tide level indicator for this watch? Well, I guess maybe, maybe you can calibrate it to your, your local area. Oh, right, yeah, sure. So you, you can then look at the dial and am I go for paddling, yes or no? Yeah, paddle visibility indicator would be good, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but I have to say, uh, this is a much more traditional-looking watch. This is very much more in the realms of only two, only two dials. I haven't gone for the four, um, and its indications laid out as you would expect here, there, and everywhere as they fit. So, from a visual standpoint, it definitely doesn't look as uh, involved and exciting. But you do get more than twice as many complications as the JLC. Yeah. Again, it looks like a relic, doesn't it? It just... Um, if aliens came down and, and we were all gone and, and they found this watch, they'd just think, what the hell were they up to? Yeah, this is one of those things that, that you would find half buried in mud and you would wonder how on earth the ancient Mayans built it. Whereas the JLC feels very much like a future where all of the petrol has run out and electricity has left the Earth's atmosphere and gone to a different dimension <laughs> and we have to make do. Yeah, fascinating. Which would win in a game of conquers so far, do you think? Well, the Vacheron is quite a chunker, so I would say that. <laughs> oh, you mean in a literal game of conquers? Yeah, what did you mean? <laughs> well, the, the JLC, you could hold it by the strap and mislead the Vacheron into thinking that the thin part is actually a thick part and you could be like oh missed you missed the main bit you could throw the Vacheron through a, a jeweler's window as a threatening reminder to pay protection money couldn't you and <laughs> yeah with a very clear indication as to when exactly you want that money and at which tide level yeah next full moon <laughs> <laughs> two very traditionally complicated watches here um but we have also seen some other watches that take complications into a very different direction. Yeah, so mechanical watches needn't all be about moon faces and uh, minute ringers and all that sort of thing. <laughs> Why not have a watch that looks like a jukebox? Uh, excuse me? Yeah, so do you like America? <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? They, uh, I think they, if I recall, they won all the wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, made all the things and are the best at everything. So, yeah. Yeah, so this is the Harry Ramsden Opus 14. Um, um, do, do you care to adjust that for the for the viewers who may not know that you're joking? What did I say? Harry Ramsden. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Harry Winston, Opus 14. Um, so this is the 14th in the Opus saga. Um, well, yeah, let, let me give you a little bit of uh, history on that, because it's quite interesting, actually. Oh, go on. Harry Winston, as a, as a jewellery brand, was... Um, 
was doing pretty well in terms of its jewellery, but its watches were struggling. Yeah, right, predominantly a jeweller for a very long time before getting into watches, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, Max Booser, who you may know of MBNF, he was a young upstart uh, key figure at JLC in, in turning them around. And he was offered a job as CEO of Harry Winston. Right. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that'd, that'd be really cool. Yeah, great for my career. Little did he know that he was inheriting a sinking ship. <laughs> and so in order to revitalise the brand, he decided to uh, lay down a series of challenges to some of the best watchmakers that have ever existed in um, in modern watchmaking and said to them, like, as long as it straps to a wrist, go nuts. And they did. Right. We have seen some of the craziest level complications that have ever existed in any watches ever, including this Opus 14. And that was the real the real foundation for Max Busser to decide to go it alone and start MBNF, which works in a similar sort of process. And Opus 14 is the most recent version of that watch. So it's not a it's not a watch with a lot of complications. This is a watch with a very crazy complication. Very unique complication and a very um, focused vision for that complication. So the whole thing um, works around uh, the same premise as how a 50 style jukebox would work. Everything is represented on dials that resemble black vinyl discs that you would find in the jukebox. And the whole thing is styled after this kind of American diner kitsch aesthetic. Um, it looks a little bit like Captain America to me. It does. Captain Americana. <laughs> Um, so you've got the uh, the Opus 14 uh, logo is like a sort of American kind of root road sign. And, and, and yeah, and, and just sort of styled like a, a, that American diner kind of vibe. A lot of red, white and blue. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what happens is uh, there's a switch on the side which allows you to select between different display discs. You can display a GMT, a calendar disc, or there's just one um, like the Hollywood Hall of Fame star with Harry Winston's logo in it. So you use the switcher to, to select the display and then you push the, a button at four o'clock on the case. An arm grabs a disc and, and pulls it out and puts it in place and then you can read your GMT function or your calendar function. Um, the home time is localized on its own dial at nine. Um, and there's also a retrograde minutes display. Um, so it, it's really, really, really fun, really clever. And it definitely is unmistakably a, uh, a jukebox. Um, it also plays Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley in the comments as well, if you push. Um, there's a hidden pusher on the side. I never know if you're joking with this anymore. Yeah, that's a joke. Um, but yeah, it's got a sort of towering block of sapphire crystal that is all just one single block that's sort of been carved into these layers uh, only 1,066 components, not as not as many as the the others, but but pretty fun and pretty unique. I'm I'm kind of surprised that it doesn't come with a like a, a miniature mechanical Henry Winkler who changes it by giving it a little whack on the side. <laughs> hey. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, but yeah, uh, the I don't I don't know how you even begin to think of something like this. What an outrageous idea! Um, Frank Orney and Johnny Gerardin, I believe, are the, the two watchmakers involved in, in conceptualising and, and building this thing. Visionaries. I'd love to speak to them and look look through the lens of, of, of their brain to see how they visualise stuff. Who else would go, oh, watches? Oh, you mean like changing records on a jukebox? That Americana 50s style is very recognisable, but 
It's perhaps not hugely tasteful, but it sure is fun. And who doesn't like one of those good old style jukeboxes? Everyone wants one of those, don't they? Oh yeah, that and a um, flappy paddle game machine, whose name has temporarily escaped me. A pinball machine? That's the one. New flappy paddle game machine from MB. Well, it wouldn't be from MB. Pinball would be from MB, and the <laughs> the store brand knockoff would be flappy ball game machine. <laughs> you say this is tasteless. No, I don't. You said something like that. I say it's it's. I think it's hard for Dinah Kitsch to be tasteful. I think it can sometimes be on the side of tacky. Um, but I, I think this has managed to do it. Yeah, I, I think, first of all, you should start a career as a politician, <laughs> working your way around you saying it's tasteless. But I think that it embraces it so well. Granted, this thing is going to be about a bazillion pounds, and they're probably all sold out anyway with just 50 pieces being made. Only 50, yeah. But it's so bonkers that it kind of doesn't matter. This is, you know, you know when someone gets to a certain level of wealth and notoriety that they can start wearing silly hats and start saying things like "Good day, sir," and it's fine. Yeah. This is that watch. Yeah. Elon Musk uh, in a couple of years, maybe. Yeah, riding around on a unicycle, powered by his own farts, wearing this, and everyone will love it. Yeah. We just hurry up and go to Mars and just just leave us alone. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 